These cookies have the same like effect on people that the internet likes to hype up Popeye's biscuits of having apparently. Like it just it sucks the soul out of you. And everyone knows Popeye's biscuits good. Their biscuits are quite tasty. But don't sleep on Bojangles. They also have very good biscuits as well. Bojangles biscuit. Don't get me started, okay? <laughs> Do not get me started on Bojangles biscuits. They are amazing. I will say that Church's biscuits are pretty dope also. That's just my thought. Yeah. This has been Biscuit Corner with three of us. Welcome, fellow sleuths, to Meddling Adults, a game show where we grab our friends that collect teeth for fun and we go head-to-head to test our wits against the prowess of fictional young detectives for charity. I am your host, Mike Schuber. I am notoriously bad at solving children's mysteries, which is why I am safely behind the judges' table, letting others solve those mysteries instead. Our contestants this week are some old Vine friends of mine. It's Joe Nasty Draws, a.k.a. Jonas Robinette, and Rex Testarossa, a.k.a. Brian Foster. Rex and Jonas slash Brian and Jonas, how's it going? It's going great. Yeah, it's going good. I'm I'm chilling. It's not early for Rex at all. <laughs> oh no, I'm so awake right now. I'm so, I'm ready to solve some mysteries. I'm feeling like young Scoobert do up in here right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm feeling like a detective Conan. Speaking of kid detective, today we will be covering mysteries from Encyclopedia Brown, everyone's favorite kid detective. But before we get into the actual mystery solving, this is a game show for charity. So, what charities are the two of you playing for today, Rex? We can start with you. Today, I'm gonna be playing for the Know Your Rights campaign or Know Your Rights camp. It was founded by Colin Kaepernick. And it's basically to help, you know, young people of black and brown communities to elevate them, to help them with positions of leadership to, you know, I thought it would be a good place to donate to help better the future of the youth. I like it. I like it. What about you, Jonas? I will be uh, playing for the Asian American Advocacy Fund. It's a fund that advocates for federal, state, and local policies that will improve the lives of Asian Americans, Native Hawaiians, Pacific Islanders, and all immigrant populations in Georgia, basically helping them with getting them lawyers or anything that they need, or even helping them get driver's license for people that are immigrants, stuff like that. That's great. We're recording this on March 18th, so it is uh, very fresh given the tragedy that happened. So both great organizations. I'm excited to see who comes out on top, but here's how the game is going to work. I will be recapping three mysteries from the esteemed children's novel series Encyclopedia Brown. Neither of you have read or seen these ahead of time. I'll lay out all the clues. I'll ask for your accusations, and each correct guess of culprit will earn you points, but there's also bonus points at stake. If your guess matches my incorrect guess when I was taking notes for the show, you will earn a Misery Loves Company bonus point, and if you just say anything particularly ridiculous, your guess is completely bonkers out of left field, you throw a good jab at your opponent, anything that makes me chuckle for whatever reason, you know, it's a trying time here, so I'm going to give out bonus points so that we can all be happier in the world. (laughs) We've got to take our scoops of sunshine when we can get them. You mean I get bonus points for dunking on Jonas? This is going to be a breeze. (laughs) Yes, yes, you do. Rex is great at dunking on me, too. Yes. That's why I call them donuts. Ooh. Is that boy? <laughs> it's getting there. It's you're we're in the right direction. Now, I did say three Encyclopedia Brown Mysteries, not four, which is standard, because we've brought back a fan favorite segment for this episode, because I thought you two would like it. In between the mysteries, we will have two lightning rounds of Laffy Taffy jokes. Mm-hmm. And if you can correctly get Laffy Taffy jokes, you will get one point for each correct guess. Oh. <laughs> so we're getting silly up in the mix here. 
But with all that being laid out, we can put the pedal to the metal and get into our first case of the episode, which is the case of the counterfeit dough. And no, it's not money. It is literally dough because this mystery is about a cookie bake-off competition. All right. Okay. It is the morning of Idaville's cookie bake-off competition. Idaville is the fictional town in Florida where Encyclopedia Brown lives. And Encyclopedia Brown's friend and classmate Joey Perkins walks into the Brown Detective Agency. He says that he has three recipes he wants to test out for the upcoming cookie competition, and he needs taste testers. So Encyclopedia Brown very excitedly says, you can pay me to eat cookies anytime, Joey. So a uh, pretty sweet gig for Encyclopedia Brown, getting paid to eat a friend's cookies, a notorious baker in town. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Like, anytime you give me free cookies, I'm just like, hey. <laughs> and it's not even free cookies. He's getting paid to eat them. Oh, Pretty God. ideal situation. It's like a dream job for a child, even a child detective. Mm -hmm. He's just like, you know, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the gig I was made to do. I feel like every kid at some point growing up was like, ice cream taste tester is my dream job. And then <laughs> you find out that that's probably... I feel like that would actually be bad because you just have to eat tons of strange flavors like, I feel like it would ruin ice cream for you. It would. It wouldn't have been ice cream or cookies for me. It would have been lasagna. Like, Ooh. you give me lasagna. <laughs> Ooh. I was more of a SpaghettiOs kind of guy. I didn't like lasagna until I was like 13 years old. Wow. But give me that SpaghettiOs, baby, with the meatballs. Ooh. SpaghettiOs. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Why are you dunking on SpaghettiOs? My stomach's hurting a little bit thinking about it. <laughs> we couldn't afford the Chef Boy RD, all right? That's not better. That's really not. Is that? Think about it. SpaghettiOs mascot was a giant hoop that had no stomach. Why? Because he couldn't eat that shit either. So, <laughs> But also, he was a mascot and his whole food was like, it's my friends. Eat my friends. Bro, <laughs> yeah. What is it with companies selling food to kids where cannibalism is their selling point? What's the... <laughs> Fucking the cereal... Cinnamon, Cinnamon Toast, toast crunch. crunch. They eat each other. Like, what's happening? All right, I'm giving Rex a bonus point for identifying a uh, significant flaw in the <laughs> child food consumerism community. If you're hungry, eat your friends. <laughs> <laughs> So Sally, who is Encyclopedia Brown's junior partner at the firm, she asks why Joey is nervous because he's definitely going to win the bake-off this year. So the narrator explains that Joey's come in second for the past two years to someone named Christina Vargas, but it's a 12 and under only competition and she just turned 13. So he's a shoe in for victory. Mm. But he says that there's a new baker in town and you know, she's going to be good because her name is Mary Macaroon. Oh. So she clearly is French and clearly is incredible at making cookies solely based on the name. So Joey then says that first prize is $50 and your recipe gets published in a cookbook. Now, this edition of Encyclopedia Brown came out in 2003. So $50 isn't as significant as it would be in a really old Encyclopedia Brown because these books started in like 1965. But 50 bucks and getting published at age 11? I'll take it. Why not? <laughs> like the fact that you just said the number 2003 Encyclopedia Brown in the same sentence is blowing my mind. I forgot they made those until that recent. Holy shit. Yeah. They're still making them. Though Donald J. Sobel, the author, did make a couple books of adult mysteries where they weren't Encyclopedia Brown ones. And I was 
thinking about doing them for the show. However, the descriptions, according to the book reviews, were it's just Encyclopedia Brown mysteries without the Encyclopedia Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Reviews are like, I read all the Encyclopedia Brown books to my kid when he was growing up. Now that he's old enough, I thought this would be fun. Unfortunately, (laughs) it's all the same shit. (laughs) Change the name a little bit. What's your name? Thesaurus Black. Thank you very much. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Rex is getting a bonus point for Thesaurus Black. God damn it. I like it. Two to zero now. That also sounds like a Harry Potter character. (laughs) Thesaurus Black. So Joey has always dreamed of getting his recipe published in a cookbook. So he really, really wants to win. So he bakes two cookies each of his three recipes, gives them to Encyclopedia Brown and Sally, and he also gives them glasses of water so that they can cleanse their palates in between cookie tastings. They decide that cookie number two is the best iteration, and Encyclopedia Brown asks what makes this one different. And he goes, it's a secret, which makes me think Encyclopedia Brown has to reply with the Frodo, okay, keep your secrets, (laughs) in reply to him saying that. Joey heads home to prep because later that afternoon is the competition. Encyclopedia Brown and Sally are good friends. They say that they will go to the competition to cheer him on. So it is the competition now. There's four tables set out for the four competitors, and each table already has ingredients on it. It's got flour, eggs, butter, chocolate chips, and then a spice rack with things like cinnamon and nutmeg, normal spices that would go into cookies. The contest then begins... Our other contestants, obviously Mary Macaroon is one of them, but the other two are Emily Drew and Michael Esposito. Those two are struggling right out of the gates. Notably, Michael puts his mixer on too high of a speed and flour goes everywhere and it lands on the judges and they begin to sneeze. Oh no. Mary Macaroon, on the other hand, is an absolute force though. She is very professional. She even brought her own chef hat and apron. So you know she's the real deal. She's just showing off at this point. She really is. But Sally notes, fashion doesn't win bake-offs. So the cooking continues, and when they are finished, the judging begins. So first up for judging is Michael. There are three judges. Each judge carefully chews the cookie, makes some notes, and then they are handed a glass of water by an assistant. They swish the water around in their mouth, they swallow, and then they move on. So this is the standard protocol. They do it with Emily as well. And then now they move on to Mary. And what makes Mary's judging different is that they all have second bites of Mary's cookies, which clearly means her cookies are very good. If anyone has watched Bake Off, when Paul Hollywood goes (laughs) for the second bite, you know, oh, baby, (laughs) now he's just eating for fun. So you know it's the real deal. When they are done judging Mary's cookies, the judges motion for the assistant to refill their glasses. They swish the water around their mouths. They swallow and they move on. So now we get things about each of the judges. So judge number one goes really intense with the mouth swishing after eating Mary's cookies. Judge number two asks the assistant to refill their glass before going on to the next set of cookies. And judge number three takes a lot of time to fill out their notes. So spoiler alert, there's going to be suspects afoot. And the question is, which judge is it? So they start to eat Joey's cookies and they all start coughing and sputtering. Clearly something is foul with these cookies. Judge number one spits out the cookie into a napkin. Judge number two chugs her entire glass of water. And judge number three is just coughing uncontrollably. So the assistant rushes over, fills up their glasses so they can get through this traumatic cookie-based eating experience. Joey is very confused. He's absolutely distraught. He felt like he blew his chances of finally winning this year. But Encyclopedia Brown, of course, begins to investigate. And he sees that the sugar on Joey's table was swapped with salt. 
and the cinnamon on his table was swapped with cayenne pepper. Oh, geez. So yeah. pretty bad if you're trying to make a chocolate chip cookie. So Encyclopedia Brown brings this up to the judges and he says, hey, clearly someone messed with his ingredients. Can Joey go again? But one of the judges says that wouldn't be fair to the rest of the contestants. And Encyclopedia Brown claps back saying, that's easy for you to say. You're the one who rigged the ingredients. So I turn to the two of you. Which judge was Encyclopedia Brown accusing? And how did he know that that judge was guilty? Hmm. It is a judge. Yes, it is a judge. Okay. I was going to guess the assistant because the assistant is taking some time to refill those bottles. And after that second bite, it could have given them enough time to, well, they did bake before. It could be an assistant. Really, I'm just saying it's not Mary didn't have anything or Michael or Nancy or some random person. Mm. My guess, I think it's judge two. Okay. I think it's judge three. They're taking too long with the notes. Oh, all right. Giving them enough time to fill out the notes and distract everyone. Okay, okay. Rex, what was your reasoning for picking uh, Judge 2? I picked Judge 2 just because, like, they wanted a new glass of water a little too soon. Mm. You know what I mean? They were like, let me get a new glass of water. They were like, I got to prepare myself for this cookie. It's going to be fucked. (laughs) And they just chugged that shit down. Like, the other two judges had a natural reaction, I feel. Spit it out cough a little bit like what the fuck is that this motherfucker knew instantly i'm gonna chug this shit just to get myself back to normal that's a little sus i think well i'm happy to say you are exactly right that is exactly it oh yes the standard protocol of the water was that you would get water after you eat the cookies but because judge number two specifically requested for water before eating joey's cookies they knew that his cookies were going to be terrible and then the reveal in the solution section of the book is that judge number two is mary macaroon's cousin (gasps) so i guess christy croissant or whatever and she wanted mary to win so they end up letting joey bake his cookies they give him the opportunity to have correct ingredients and he does end up winning and he gets his recipe published in a cookbook not only that fifty dollars and in 2003 money that's like two different game boy advance games bro oh my god and at 11 years old pretty huge yeah fifty dollars at 11 that is spicy amounts of money fucking mary macaroon i will say according to the united states bureau of labor statistics my favorite inflation calculator fifty dollars in 2003 would be 71 dollars and 47 cents today so a little spicy amount of money for an 11 year old to be rocking around with that is one nintendo game yeah that's impressive (laughs) So at the end of the first mystery, Rex has a commanding 5-0 to zero lead, but Jonas is not out of it because now we're getting into our first lightning round. Okay. Okay. Laffy Taffy lightning round, baby. So here's how it's going to work. I'm just going to say the opening thing of the Laffy Taffy joke, and they're all very bad puns for the most part. Very simple riddles here. Basically, we're going to go family feud rules. Just say buzz as if it's, you know, you're tapping your hand on the buzzer and then just say your answer. But unlike family feud rules, don't say something unnecessarily horny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the first Laffy Taffy riddle of three. What do you call a fancy sea creature? Hmm. Buzz. Yeah. Creature from the Black Suit Lagoon? I do like that guess, but it is not what we're looking for. Do you have a guess, Rex? Fancy sea creature, fancy sea creature. Uh, They are, Buzz, uh, they are, I have nothing. (laughs) That's okay. It's all good. The correct answer we were looking for was they are sophisticated. Hey. Uh Okay, all right, all right. So, second one. How do you turn a soup into gold? Hmm. Wait. No, 
I have something, Buzz. Go for it. <laughs> you brine it? <laughs> like, like mine? I don't know. <laughs> Not correct, <laughs> but I like the thought. Jonas, do you have a guess? Oh, um... Oh, I don't know idea. I don't I don't know anything about alchemy. <laughs> you uh you say, hey you taste delicious. Oh. oh wow. That's good enough that I'm giving you a bonus point. But yeah. what the answer really was is that you add 24 carrots. Oh uh, wow. Okay. All right, yeah. All right. Final one of this first lightning round. How does the moon cut his hair? Hmm. hmm. Wait. Oh, uh Buzz. Yeah, Jonas. Shit. <laughs> He uses his lunar eclipse. Okay, that is pretty close. Rex, did you have, was that what you were going to say as well? I had a similar thing. I was like, he was going to use his eclippers, but yeah. So I'll I'll give the point to Jonas because he was first, but the the true thing according to Laffy Taffy was eclipse it. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But Jonas, that was a nice little showing. You've made the score five to two as we prepare for our second mystery. If you're listening to this episode of Meddling Adults, the day it came out or at any point in time before April 30th, 2021, that means the Kickstarter for a new podcast project I'm hoping to launch is live. The show will be called Modern Muckraker, and it is a deep dive investigative journalism podcast where I will be playing a character who is fully convinced that he is completing the world's most important research. But in reality, these questions will be along the lines of when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web swinging? I'll work with the team to arrive at exact answers to these questions. Each episode episode, we'll have interviews with highly overqualified guests. So for the Spider-Man prompt, for example, we will talk with people that work for Marvel to understand Spider-Man's character. We will speak with physicists to break down the mechanics of web swinging, and I'll interview people that work for the New York City Metro Transit Authority so that we have the most accurate and up-to-date information about the subway system possible. We're doing a Kickstarter because I need to bring in a whole team to make this podcast a reality. So writers, a producer, a sound designer, and more. And I want to be able to pay these people what they are worth up front. Thus, we're going with a Kickstarter and not a Patreon or hoping ad money comes in. I want to be able to pay people what they are worth immediately before beginning the endeavor. If you want to support this Kickstarter and get some sweet rewards for doing so, you can go to bit.ly slash modernmuckraker. That'll take you directly to the Kickstarter, or you can go to our website, modernmuck.com. This episode of Meddling Adults is brought to you by Blaseball. Blaseball is a ridiculous online internet baseball experience that is just so beautifully chaotic. You go to blaseball.com, you pick a team to support. I support the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, but maybe you want to support the Houston Spies, or maybe you want to support the Los Angeles. Angeles Unlimited Tacos. Many fun teams with many fun players that have ridiculous names. There's even a player whose name is Pitching Machine, but due to a league change, he bats now. What? Each season lasts a week. There's a new winner crowned at the end of each season. Rule changes happen every single week, and you get to vote on them. You get to try to get blessings towards your team. There's different snacks that give you different power-ups as a fan, and then you can help improve your team so you have a say in the success of your team. It's very fun, it's very silly, and I highly recommend it. And you can check it out today at blaseball.com. That's B-L-A-S-E-B-A-L-L.com. This episode of Meddling Adults is also brought to you by Encyclopedia Womanica. For too long, history lessons have glossed over the truly essential contributions that women have made to history, and that is where this podcast comes in. It aims to change the narrative by introducing the groundbreaking women from antiquity to today who have shaped our society. This month is Women's History Month, so Encyclopedia Womanica is highlighting women in the driver's seat, women who are in charge and at the top of their fields. Every weekday, host Jenny Kaplan dives into the trials, tragedies, and triumphs 
triumphs of this diverse group. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> you can learn the life stories of icons from fashion and beauty, plus executives like Maggie Lean Walker, the first woman to own a bank in the United States. The bite-sized episodes pack painstakingly researched content into fun, entertaining, and addictive daily adventures. And you may or may not already know these women, but you definitely should. So you can subscribe today to Encyclopedia Omanica wherever you get your podcasts. And now, let's get back to the show. Our second mystery is the case of the astronaut duck, who I could only think is the cousin of Milkshake Duck. Can't believe Milkshake Duck said that. I'm so upset. That's <laughs> so disappointing, Milkshake Duck. How dare he? Canceled. So this mystery starts with Moon Boy Webster running by Encyclopedia Brown, Sally, and their friend Charlie Stewart, and he is very, very excited. The narrator reveals that his real name is Austin, but he goes by Moon Boy because he is Idaville's astronaut in training. He wants nothing more than to grow up and be an astronaut astronaut. This story takes place in Florida, so I get it. They got space camp. It makes sense. So he says that there is a real NASA astronaut in town in Idaville, and he is giving a talk at Town Hall to raise funds for a future space mission. The talk costs 50 cents, so they decide that they should all go. There's a bunch of kids there. Place is absolutely filled, and they see this man on stage, and he's wearing a NASA t-shirt. The second he takes the stage, Moon Boy gets so excited. He's so endearing. He fires off a bunch of questions before this guy can even speak. He says, did you work on the Mars mission? Are moon rocks heavy? Have you ever been to the International Space Station? Is zero gravity really cool? And the astronaut has to say, I'll take questions after my speech. <laughs> he goes on to say that he wants to tell all of these kids about a new space mission. He says that it's top secret, so they have to keep quiet. And he reiterates that it's top secret. And the narrator describes, and I got a little choked up, I'm not going to lie. The narrator says, Moon Boy's eyes got wide. Top secret, he whispered. I just love this kid. <laughs> just the amount of joy that he takes in space travel is so wonderful. I want the best for Moon Boy. Honestly, his love of space is out of this world. Wow. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Six to two. God damn it. I've never read a lot of Encyclopedia Brown books. There's no murder. This boy's not going to get murdered, is he? No, don't worry. The closest we ever got to crime was people stole clay pots from a museum. That is the closest we got to something significant. There's also a lot of jewelry thievery in the series, but they always get caught thanks to 11-year-old wonder kid Encyclopedia Brown. Thank God for him. I don't know, man. The more you talk about it, the more it just sounds like Encyclopedia Brown's a snitch. <laughs> like, he's just telling on people at this point. It's always on people that deserve to be snitched. It's always about people trying to screw his friends or people in town out of money. So he's a snitch with a cause. Well, if he gets stitches, that's his fault. <laughs> so the astronaut then starts a slideshow. He says that he's done many missions for NASA through space, he's been on the International Space Station, and his next mission is to go to a galaxy that can't even be seen through a telescope. It's a whole new galaxy. His next slide is a blueprint for his unique spaceship design, and he says that he will travel with one companion, the titular Astronaut Duck, and he presents Astronaut Duck to the crowd. Ooh. The, uh... the narrator says that Moon Boy bit his lips to keep himself from asking a million questions. Okay. <laughs> so the man continues that this astronaut duck has been to the moon, the ISS, and has even walked in space. And he says that he needs a volunteer 
to watch over Astronaut Duck while he travels the country raising money for this mission. And he says that he's going to charge whoever watches over Astronaut Duck a $50 fee. I don't understand why they have to pay $50 to do this guy a favor, but here's where we're at. When he mentioned Astronaut Duck needing someone to watch over them, every kid was very excited. But when he mentions $50, every kid sits down, except for Moon Boy. He is the only one who says that he will still do it, despite the fact that it will deplete his entire savings. But Encyclopedia Brown stands up and he says, save your money, Moon Boy, and you, turning to the astronaut, you better give us back our 50 cents. You're not an astronaut. You're a fake. So I turned to the two of you. How did Encyclopedia Brown know that this guy was full of crap. Common sense. Jonas, you're correct. Three points. <laughs> I am giving Jonas a bonus point for the immediate correct answer of there's so many problems. On whose budget? Astronaut Duck, you want to go to another galaxy? We ain't near, nowhere near close to that technology, sir. You're a full of shit. Um, how did he know? What were some of the things he said he wanted to do? He said that he has been to the moon He's walked in space and he's been to the International Space Station, all with the duck. And he says that he wants to go to a new galaxy that you can't even see with a telescope. New planets that people haven't even observed before. And he has a blueprint for his new fancy spaceship design. That's all the stuff that he talked about. Okay. I think Encyclopedia knew because there's only been six walking mission to the moon. If there was another, they would have known about it, right? And they don't even know who this guy is. Okay, Jonas, what about you? Possibly the, oh, I was going to say the blueprints, just because it doesn't seem right. Why is he carrying their blueprints around for a top secret space ship and showing everyone? Yeah, <laughs> that is a good guess. I will give you a bonus point because that was mentioned in the solution, but it wasn't necessarily the key giveaway. But the key giveaway is that, and I learned this today, birds don't have esophaguses, so they need gravity in order to eat food. I guess that's why birds are always kind of shimmying their necks around when they're eating bread and stuff, but they don't have muscles in their throat that put food down their throat. They need gravity in order to eat, so a duck couldn't survive in space because there's no gravity. So astronaut duck couldn't be real. Uh... And now we've all learned a bird fact. Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, dude. I had no idea. And I figured this one was basically impossible to solve unless you're a bird expert. But I just think it's an important <laughs> use of my podcast platform here so that we all learn a very interesting bird fact. Now, Shoes, now what would you have done if Rex and I both were like the esophagus, of course? I would have been very excited. I had no idea if this was just a common knowledge thing where people are like, oh, yeah. Birds don't have esophaguses. <laughs> I know a lot of weird shit about birds. I didn't know they didn't have esophagus. I know about their corkscrew penises on ducks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know mm -hmm. about the multi-passage vagina. I did not know they didn't have esophaguses. This is news to me. I'm learning something new today. I only know that bird experts are called ornithologists. Also, fun, that's a fun word. There's so many fun bird facts out there. And if you got a bird expert who's a pervert, he's a hornithologist. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, there we very go. good, very good, very good. <laughs> So at the end of the second mystery, the score is six to four in favor of Rex as we get into our second and final Laffy Taffy lightning Let's round. Go. Three more pun mysteries. Here we go. First one. What did the bee say to the flower? Mm, damn, this one's a little bee. So, don't wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. <laughs> we got this. We got this. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something with pollinate. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been doing for the past. Thing. I was like, pollinate. Nice to pollinate you. 
I feel like the, the buzzer has sounded. The answer was, hey, bud. Oh, Ow. okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Damn it. All right. Outside the box. Outside the box. Got to think mm-hmm, outside mm-hmm. the box. Taco Bell. Second Taco one. Bell. Taco Bell. <laughs> it's outside the bun. How dare you? <laughs> what has a neck but no head, yet it still wears a cap? Buzz. Yes. A bottle. Boom. Damn, Correct. baby. <laughs> Seven to four in favor of Rex now. Final Laffy Taffy mystery of the episode. What do you get when you cross a pig and a Christmas tree? Buzz. Mm-hmm. A pork upine. Yes. Correct. Yeah, Incredible. <laughs> wow. Impressive work. Scores now eight to four as we get into our final mystery, which is the case of the lucky catch. So Encyclopedia Brown and his friends are on their way to a picnic hosted by Ace Harvey, who is a retired Major League Baseball player who lives in Idaville. Every little leaguer in town has been invited to his estate near the beach. He's got this big old mansion, and he's having all the kids in town over. Encyclopedia Brown and his friends are taking the bus there, and Pinky, one of Encyclopedia Brown's friends, asks if they think they'll get to see the baseball. The narrator describes that The baseball is a very famous ball because Ace Harvey made the most famous catch in baseball history. This is all fictional for anyone wondering about baseball. But apparently he made the game-winning catch in the ninth inning of the seventh game of the World Series. So big, big moment. He then got the entire team to sign the baseball, and now he keeps it safely in his home and refuses to sell it despite it being worth thousands of dollars. Wow. Thousands. So Billy Turner, one of Encyclopedia Brown's friends, really wants to hold the baseball because he's been in a horrendous slump ever since he dropped a pop fly in a Little League game that cost his team the game. And he thinks that the good vibes from the ball will cure his recent spell of bad luck which I feel very bad for him. That, that's that got to be very traumatizing at age 11. Yeah, like, I, I honestly, if you've been through such a traumatic experience at such a young age, I would also turn to luck, you know? I'd be like, hey, I need something to get me out of this. Let me touch your ball. Wait, no, <laughs> wait. So Jody, one of their friends, in an incredibly rude sentiment for no reason at all, says, you need more than luck, Billy. You need a new sport. So Jody's just the worst friend. Yeah, that's not a friend. That's a bully. It's a terrible person. So Sally comforts Billy, saying maybe just looking at such a famous ball will be enough to do the trick. So they get off the bus and they approach the door of ace harvey's giant mansion and when they ring the doorbell it plays take me out to the ball game which is amazing <laughs> look i get that you're a baseball player but you know let's not let's slow it down a little bit <laughs> like you've got to have a personality outside of the sport you used to play my friend come on now i also would imagine that it probably just says the first notes of it like it would probably just be like do 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 but part of me the wants to believe that it plays the entirety song. of take me out to the ball game and it sounds like a bad MIDI ringtone from your Motorola Razor from the year 2007. I feel like having that doorbell greatly depreciates the resale value of this mansion. (laughs) (laughs) He has like baseball themed furniture as well. It's like, Mm -hmm. man. All of the door handles are little baseball bats. All the door knobs are baseballs. 
why is every bathroom a dugout? Like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I like that. that I mean, <laughs> uh, so when they ring this doorbell and the entirety of Take Me Out to the Ball Game plays, a maid answers the door and lets them all in, and they pass by a trophy case which features the baseball. The narrator describes how the baseball is displayed. There's a spotlight shining on the ball. The ball is inside of the glass case, and it's on top of a little pedestal that rotates so that you can see all the signatures. I would like to think that the way that this ball is presented, as soon as you walk in the room, you just hear a choir of angels just go, (laughs) Very, very good. That also would probably be a better doorbell thing because it's shorter and quicker and still very baseball-y. Yes. (laughs) So they are led to the back door where the rest of the kids are and Ace is signing hats and bats and gloves and baseballs. There's kids playing baseball in his backyard. There's a pool. There's games like relay races and wheelbarrow races and egg toss competitions. There's food. It really seems like an incredible situation. I'm very jealous of this party. Yeah, you know, you're seeing the coolest guy in town, his famous baseball. You're 11 years old. You're in a slump. This kid's probably like, this is my time. I'm going to be blessed. Pretty great stuff. So Billy, despite dropping baseballs left and right, he won't drop the fact that he wants to hold the ball. And Encyclopedia Brown wants him to chill. And he says he really doesn't think that Ace Harvey is going to let him. But he reassures him because Encyclopedia Brown is a good friend. He says, holding someone else's ball, (laughs) phrasing Encyclopedia Brown, but he says, holding someone else's ball won't break your slump. All you need to do is get your confidence back with one good catch. The more you tell me about this story, the more it feels like a cautionary tale. (laughs) Like, hey, this guy invited us to our house. He's got a very famous ball he wants us to look at. Like, oh, oh. And he wants us to catch it. (laughs) Okay, I guess I'll go. (laughs) Billy does say, catch? I can't even catch my reflection in a mirror. And then he goes inside to try to look at the baseball again. Holy shit. What is he, a vampire now? (laughs) Holy fuck, Billy. So Encyclopedia Brown then does a relay race with Pinky and Charlie. And when the race is over, he sees two police cars in the driveway. So he knows something is afoot. So the baseball case was broken. There's bits of glass all over the floor and on top of the pedestal where the baseball used to be. But the baseball is no longer there. Hmm. So Ace Harvey has Billy grabbed by the arm and Billy's hand is bleeding. And Ace Harvey says, I found this hooligan in front of the case surrounded by broken glass. So Billy says he didn't take it. He says he just went in to look at it, but the ball was gone. And then he accidentally cut his hand on some broken glass. Ace Harvey is very upset, but he says that he's lucky that he just had the baseball insured. Otherwise, he'd be furious because the ball is worth thousands. So Encyclopedia Brown asks Harvey who has the keys to the case. And Harvey says that he has the only key, but he unlocks the case for the maid to clean it when the glass gets dirty. But Encyclopedia Brown knows who is behind the thievery at this point. So I turn to the two of you. Who do you think stole the baseball? I I think think it's Ace Harvey. Harvey. Ooh. Okay. What are the reasonings? Why the fuck would he mention that he has the baseball insured if it's so precious to him? One. Two. He's like, this hooligan stole the ball. Billy clearly doesn't have the ball on him. Yeah. And who calls them kids hooligans? Hey, I call kids hooligans all the time, but the kids in my neighborhood are wild. <laughs> I call them monsters. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely the insurance thing that like 
catches me off guard. Like, why say that? That was his justification for not, I guess, kicking Billy's ass mm. <laughs> is that he's got it insured. He was trying to be like, you're lucky I got this insured. Otherwise, I'd be really mad. It was at least his justification for bringing that up. Imagine you go to this famous dude's house and then he starts threatening to beat the shit out of you. And you're just like... I didn't do anything. He was like, I know you did it, you little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, I just want to play baseball. I just want to touch your ball. Sir, you're supposed to be throwing pitches, not punches. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I'm happy to say that you are both correct in identifying the culprit, but you didn't get the exact detail correct. The detail that led Encyclopedia Brown to know that Ace Harvey was behind it is that there was glass on top of the pedestal which meant someone would have had to have placed glass there. If someone really broke into the case and took the baseball, broken glass wouldn't be on top of the pedestal where the ball used to be Mm. because the ball would have deflected any falling glass off of it. Ah. So clearly someone would have had to go through the effort to put broken glass on top of the pedestal after taking the ball. And the solution reveals, much like you two both brought up with the insurance, that Ace Harvey was just trying to get some insurance money. And this was his whole ruse of why he had all these kids over, is that he was just going to go to the insurance company and say, hey, I had all these kids over my house. And at some point, somebody broke and stole my baseball, not necessarily trying to pin it on Billy specifically, but when... He was there and Billy was there. He had to frame it on someone to not get caught red-handed. So he put the blame on Billy. But I did give you both three points for getting the culprit correct. Nice. Despite not getting the exact little detail of the broken glass. Man, a kid's just having a rough time with baseball and he gets caught up in an insurance fraud scandal. Like, mm-hmm. what a what a pipeline right there. Did he get to touch the ball? But he no, he didn't get to touch the ball. But honestly, maybe that will snap him out of his slump because he realizes that there's Worse things in life than dropping a baseball, there is the potential of getting arrested for stealing a very important baseball. Yeah. So maybe this will actually snap him out of his slump. We'll have to see in the next Encyclopedia Brown book if, you know, Billy's doing all right. I almost went to juvie for stealing a baseball once. Almost. Yeah, he goes through puberty immediately. He's like, hey, there's things more important in life than dropping baseballs. He's also from Staten Island. Yeah. (laughs) You think you know rough life? He's a side character in The Sopranos now. Because I guess he avoided getting arrested, the Sopranos hired him. They were like, hey, this Billy kid's (laughs) avoided a rap sheet. We got to get this guy in and then now he's a part of the florida mob maybe i guess that could be a thing (laughs) yeah i can't wait for the movie about that starring sam rockwell it's gonna happen he's in every movie about something (laughs) happening sam rockwell is ace harvey (laughs) so at the end of these mysteries the final score of this episode meddling adults rex you have won 11 to 7 meaning that you've brought some money home for the know your rights campaign how does it feel to win and beat jonas honestly (laughs) i would rather we split the winnings let's do it i like it we've had this done once before where someone split it 51 49 so if you want to get the slight win we can also do 51 49 if you still want bragging rights or we can go even 50 50 i'm going to go 55 45 but 55 to jonas's charity Whoa. what a soul what Look a at this guy. soul wow absolutely wonderful thank you too so much for being on the show if people want to find you guys doing stuff podcast wise internet wise where can they do so where can they check you out 
Well, you can find me at Joe Nasty Draws with a Z at the end on all social medias. I also have a podcast with some friends called uh, Rough Night Movie Podcast, which Shubes has done an episode, a very chaotic episode. Yeah, we did. Uh, what was that one called? It was like Friday the 13th.com. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did two different Halloween movies by accident. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Mike, and one was like Michael Myers.com. Yeah. And it was all live streamed. And Buster Rhymes was a character. <laughs> yeah. Because he knows Kung Fu. And Rex and I do have a podcast. We haven't been recording in a while, but we are coming back. Uh, it is currently called The Universe According to Rex and Jonas, but we will be changing it to The Cool Zone. Yes. Love that. Yes. Love, love that. You can find me at Rex Testarossa, R-E-X-T-E-S-T-A-R-O-S-S-A. I'm on multiple social media platforms. I've been streaming a lot on Twitch lately. I mostly post on TikTok, haven't posted on there in a while, but I'm going to get back into it. I'm also on a podcast called Crit or Miss. It is a D&D actual play podcast. I've been doing that for a few months. I play a wizard who tries to be edgy and fails at doing so most of the time. <laughs> no, he's not a wizard. He's a warlock, a warlock who tries to be edgy but yeah that's all i got going right now well fantastic thank you so much to the two of you for joining listeners thanks for listening and i gotta say you guys did very well both in mysteries and in laffy taffy jokes much better performance than the previous iteration of the laffy taffy lightning round proving that the two of you are just some puntastic meddling adults you know what rex is a fan of laffy taffy's that's not and... true at all i like nerds thank you very much nerds wrote specifically Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Meddling Adults. Meddling Adults is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. Our editor is Brandon Grugel. The art is by Ma'ai and Atias and Kelly Schubert. The music is by Bettina Campamanes and Brandon Grugel. And the website is by me and Kelly Schubert. If you want to help the show, you want to help us raise more money for charity, you can do so in a couple of ways. You can go to patreon.com slash meddlingadults and give a monthly donation that we will pass along to the winning charities from each season. Or if you want to make a one-time donation, you can go to paypal.me slash meddlingadults. If you want to still help the show but can't do so monetarily, if you tell someone about the show, that helps. Word of mouth is huge. Posting about it on social media helps. Leaving a rating interview on iTunes, whatever you would like to do, I would greatly appreciate it. If you want to learn more about the show, you can go to meddlingadults.com. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at meddlingadults on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash meddlingadults. Thank you again so much for listening, and we hope you tune in next week for our season three finale of Meddling Adults.